Welcome everybody to Hatch History. Jacob's trying to jump the gun on me there. <laughs> jump the gun. You started talking before the recording started. Well, maybe you know, welcome to Hatch History. Um, I'm not really sure what the beginning part's gonna sound like. Uh, Great. <laughs> we're not gonna edit any of it. We're lazy. Uh, I want to give a thank, a shout out. Um, give a nice shout out to all of our uh, international listeners. We've been seeing an increase. So if you're uh, if you're tuning in from another country other than the U.S., if you're tuning in from the U.S., awesome. We still love you. Uh, but uh. Also, big shout out to the international representation we've been getting. It's pretty cool, right, Jay? Mm-hmm. Shout out to the one guy from Italy right now. <laughs> Buongiorno, my sir. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, we now have zero Italian listeners. <laughs> He's not going to know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. Okay, Jay. <laughs> just because he lives in Italy doesn't mean he doesn't understand. <laughs> you called him an idiot. <laughs> no. I said just because he lives in Italy does not mean he doesn't understand English. I mean, if you live in Italy, you, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're the storied historian who's gone across the world. <laughs> okay. We're okay. Just gonna... Anyway, uh, so big shout out to everybody who's checking us out. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, the numbers keep going up, and that makes us very excited to keep making new episodes. Mm-hmm. So thank you for any of you guys who tuned in. Hopefully you'll keep tuning into us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> and for all the shit that you give me about saying weird stuff on this podcast, it appears to be helping. Maybe I have no idea. We both we've had a fair share of weird stuff. Yeah, a fair share. And right now, thanks to the international listeners, we've got some people in this recording studio may or may not have a half chub. It's certainly not me. But I don't have one. What? We'll see where uh, that takes us. It's an adventure. All right. Are you talking about the ghost? Are we recording the, go- the ghost? Yes, the ghost of Walt Disney currently sitting in our living Actually, room. You know, Get out of here, you Jew hater. Oh, God. Um, at me, Disney. I don't so, care. So, uh, just a quick reminder. We're out there in a bunch of different streaming platforms. If you prefer one, it's got a podcast on it. Chances are we're probably there. We got Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We also have Spotify, of course. We have TuneIn. So, if you, if you have a podcast... Thing you prefer to use and you listen to something else, chances are we're probably on your favorite podcast engine. So just a quick reminder, if you ever want to get a hold of us to send us an email and tell us how amazing we're doing or uh, to give us a comment on something you didn't love quite as much. Please, God, um, be helpful criticism. <laughs> yeah, we are, constructive criticism is what we appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best way to get a response. If you just tell us you hate it and we're idiots, chances are you're probably not going to get a response. Um, but you may not be wrong, but to be honest, I will find you in the comments section and at you pretty hard, so be careful. <laughs> so, uh, Jake threatening our listeners I'm again. not threatening anybody. I'm threatening the one guy who's wasting You're our right. time. It's not a threat. It's a promise. That's right, Stan. It's a, it's I'm not, onto your shit. It's not a threat. It's a promise. <laughs> it's not, I'm like the mob. We don't we don't make threats. We make promises. <laughs> so, uh, after all that, our Gmail, though, is hackedhistory101 at gmail.com. Again, it's hackedhistory101 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want, if you'd like to check out our website, it is hack-history.com/slash-captivate.fm. So um, you good there, bud? I'm having just a slight seizure here. <laughs> All um, right. Not actually. I'm, I'm fine. So, yeah. and my apologies out there. If anybody has seizures, that's a that's a serious thing. That is so a serious thing. I'm not trying to downplay no. that. Uh, We're also not making fun of you. Exactly. So uh, now that we got all the weird housekeeping stuff out of the way, uh, we're gonna talk t- this week. About uh, Sir Henry Ford. Just kidding, he's not Sir. Sir. He, he hasn't been knighted. He's knighted like Paul McCartney. <laughs> he's, if Americans had knighthoods, I guarantee he would have been knighted. I mean, you're talking like the, the like white-robed knight? The white knight? 
Well, I mean, he's someone who would probably wear white garments, you know? <laughs> where are you? I'm wondering if you I'm gather saying, where we're directing I'm this. I'm saying Henry Ford's a racist. That's and... <laughs> <laughs> wow, just on the nose. That guy who makes the car you drive, he's a fucking bigot. <laughs> You Shout like, out. You like, you like Fords, Jake? You like to drive Fords? You like Ford? That's right, yeah. That's right, Lucas. Thanks for asking. <laughs> this is not really a question. It's more of a you statement. You like Fords? You like, you like guacamole, Stan? <laughs> so Man. much room for activities. So much more so space for activities. <laughs> yes. Step no, that's right. Since we have the warming weather here in Wisconsin, and I'm currently wearing shorts, it is probably somewhere between 50 and 55 degrees outside because I have... Shorts weather. Yeah, basically. Lucas is sitting here. Drinking a beer while we're doing this. It's beautiful. Of course. Why, would course. I? why wouldn't Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? But <laughs> that sounded kind of accusatory. It's very accusatory. You say That's that right, Janet. It. Why wouldn't you have a Chardonnay at 2 in the afternoon? You're saying you've got a drinking problem? It's after work, man. <laughs> the, usually the cause of your drinking problem is work. But uh, that's right. Don't, and you, don't what, you dare what, assume what, the reasons I drink. <laughs> I just drink because it's fun. <laughs> Oh boy! Wow, this, this, we're just perpetuating I love this guy's this intro. The intro was going so far off the rails in the first forty-five seconds. Well, we had to let it out because last time we did Hitler, and we dude, we went from one anti-Semite to the next. We've had three anti-Semites in one podcast season or whatever. Turns out there's a lot of people in history that hated the Jews. Hell yeah, <laughs> not in a good way, but you not know, not in a good way. No, I don't think not, you can hate you the really Jews can't. in a good way. No, you really can't. No. Like, not even if it's like, God, oh, this one Jewish guy cut me off in traffic. I really hate that. Like, you can't. You can't do that. Can't do that. Hatred's not good in general. Yeah. No. I, don't, I don't hate. I very much dislike people, yeah. but I don't hate people. I hate specific... Well, we've already gone through this. I hate specific people. I hate racists and Nazis, you know, and yeah, <laughs> that I think is all right. I think is all right. But uh, it's always a gray area. Anyway. <laughs> Henry Ford. That's Henry what we're talking Ford. about. If you guys didn't get that... <laughs> That's what we're discussing this week. I love the way that you like try to bring me back on track, even though I'm getting there at literally the moment we start saying it. Like, anyway, Henry, how are people? Henry Ford! Henry Ford! I said it first. I was right. Everybody, That's ladies. That's right, I said it. Jesus Christ. That's the fifth false start we've had, Christ. This is like Take the it away, Jake. <laughs> hey. hey, Jake, what's your name? <laughs> State Farm, where do you work? Khakis. We're khakis right now. Perfect. Yeah. Well, anyway, (laughs) with the warm weather coming and with summer hopefully around the corner, the Ford is coming out with some new car brands. We're not going to say what, but I'll tell you what, they got a new model on the line. It's called Racism. It's called Racism. 0% APR financing. I don't think that's a new model. I think they've been producing that for quite a long time. I know, right? And that's what we're going to talk about. Henry Ford. Was he a bigot? Maybe. (laughs) That's a big if. I don't know. But let's start with the bio. Oddly enough, this bio comes from Ford's corporate website. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Because I literally had the easiestly condensed and clearest biography of him I could find that was not Wikipedia because I ain't fucking around with that. <laughs> I love you, Wikipedia. You've been my saving grace during college. But no, you need to stop sometimes. So, we're pretty sure that they're not going to tell us anything new that we wouldn't have already learned being beaten to us in school. But basic information, what's the, what was his family life growing up? Oh. Alright, so uh, Ford, he's born in the Springwells Township. This is in Wayne County, Michigan. So he's born in the United States July 30th, 1863 
two parents marry a litigant. 1863 podcast of like drilling open your brain to let the demons out or whatever we're gonna have to hold off on that new thought process but um he's born to mary litiga and william ford which is awesome he's the oldest of six children and family of four guys and two girls uh yeah i did say guys the young ford pretty much had a what we would consider to be a typical upbringing for that time he was born into a family where you have an america in the middle of are by the time that he started getting old enough to actually work uh, around like the age of 12 actually at this point in time by the early late 1800s early 1900s Perfect. you Sixth have grade. yeah awesome that's right working in the cold get mines. out there yeah get your you want to go and work at the textile mill up in maine because his fingers are small enough to get in there just in case like they get a thread caught just so it can chop the right part of your hand off but um anyway he's at this point in time, going into an America, for those of you who don't know context, that is becoming more and more increasingly industrialized. Because after the Civil War, the United States basically kicked the South's ass, and the North pretty much started building factories, and the United States was, again, the United States. So we started seeing a lot of factories popping up, a lot of textile mills popping up in places. Railroads were definitely getting better over time. Mm -hmm. Communication was getting much better. And... Ford is kind of in the middle of all that. So he shows an early interest in mechanics, and by the age of 12, he's spending most of his spare time working in a small machine shop owned by what is called the Westinghouse Engine Company, where he kind of equipped himself with the stuff he needed, knowledge, tools, stuff like that. Um, most people say, well, when they say engines, they're like, well, I thought engines started with cars. Well, no. A little bit of background for a lot of people who may not know, especially America around this time. Yes, we didn't have cars, but we did have steam engines. We With did have Thomas. Yes. With Thomas the tank. Thomas engine? the fucking tank engine. I love Thomas the tank. He's engine. the OG of English trains with faces. At me in the comments if you don't like it. <laughs> anyway, I love, Tom love Thomas. Anyway. Love Thomas. He's my bro. Anyway, <laughs> we're talking about an inanimate child. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But uh, he he basically is working there in Westinghouse. Westinghouse specifies in making what's called tractor locomotives, and basically what that is is like threshing machines. If any, if you're here listening to it, Google it. Threshing machine is like this giant, like steam locomotive on wheels, and it was built with a steam boiler where a guy would basically feed wood into it. And like most steam boilers, you have to burn the wood, heat the water, the steam would push the turbines and create uh, energy for it. A lot of these threshing machines, by the way, really, oh my God, really. Like <laughs> you going, super threshing machine. <laughs> Super, that was the sound of the threshing machine. That was the threshing machine at work right there. Super fucking dangerous. Don't you break the fourth wall. Keep going. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up, Dad. So, yeah. uh, The way you bring Thomas back in this, I'll do it. (laughs) So, anyway. So, even though you can't see it, Lucas has a really good picture of a threshing machine. Uh, Case makes these. It was basically like a train on, like, tractor wheels. And so he starts getting into the mechanics part of this. He really starts to like it. By 15, he's actually constructed his first steam engine, which is a small farm locomotive. So he has an early fascination with engines. Yeah, because, right, this was becoming the in thing. Because before, most farming stuff, most 
any industrial to a degree was either done by human power, water power, mm-hmm. or horses, which at that point in time was it was effective horsepower. Horsepower. But <laughs> unfortunately, like most horsepower, you you push that horse, it gonna die. And uh, you know, if any of us have ever seen uh, what is it? Oh God, uh, I'm blanking out here. What's the name of that Orson Welles book? Oh, Animal Farm. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, that depressing movie. You push a horse into guys, communism? and it's sad. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> Shut your hole. <laughs> you keep that shit out of here. Keep the shit out of here. Keep that shit whole, out of here. It's the whole plot of the book. I know, but I'm saying, and we all, we, but we weren't thinking about it in middle school. We were just thinking about how sad it was when the horse died. Anyway. Isn't, isn't the pig the a-hole in that book? No, the, the, the pigs were like the Nazis or whatever. I don't remember. They're not the a they're not a-holes. You just said the pigs were Nazis. They were Nazis. No, I didn't say they weren't a-holes. I'm just saying the pigs were Nazis. There were multiple assholes in that movie, all right? The farmer was an asshole. The pigs were assholes. The farmer's dog was an asshole. Hell, I don't know. Maybe his wife was an asshole. I don't know. And all I know is an animal somehow could kill farmers armed with shotguns. I don't understand how that movie worked. Anyway, <laughs> ranting aside, <laughs> again, at me. I don't care. Anyway, so he starts moving around so he's still in michigan and for at this point in time becomes a machinist apprentice in detroit to the james f flower and brothers machine shops manufacturing plant and he kind of bounces around between them and the detroit dry dock company so he there he's getting a lot of construction mechanics working and he's starting to think of like ways he could impress different kinds of designs into new engines right the idea of him basically pushing the envelope and saying well this is good but how can we make it better um that's in 1882 pretty much okay so by this point in time he's coming in on like well like i said by the point in time he's around in his like probably early to mid 20s um flash forward to july of 1891 He's employed as an engineer in the Edison Illuminating Company of Edison, Detroit. So the, uh, one song. one sketchy inventor for another here. <laughs> we know who Edison is. Thomas, when, it was when, that Edison, huh? Yeah, it Thomas is that Edison. Edison. Action's literally that man. And there he kind of becomes a chief engineer for that company on November 6th, 1893. We should do one on Edison. Oh, we're going to. We're going to have to do one on Edison. If we weren't at some point in time, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> Actually, what's really weird about well, this... Well, we don't have to, but is I, think the we, weird, I think we really should. We obviously should. We literally should. But, like, what's really weird about this, something I actually didn't know was him working for Edison. Him and Edison became very close friends and mentors to each other. So, if you think about, like, dodgy business practices... Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! Anyway. Ta-da! Uh, and I can hear the cease and desist coming in now. <laughs> I can hear it whistling through your window attached uh, to a brick. <laughs> I forgot to mention, I've already been scared about that once. Like, I swear, it was like a couple days after we did the episode on Walt Disney. I got, oh. a, I got an email, like, in my Gmail account. It was my personal one, so I should have known it wasn't about the podcast, but it was from, like, Walt Disney, the company. And oh. for a second, I had, like, a minor heart attack. I was like, oh, God, we're going to die. <laughs> There's just a red dot floating all over your room. It's Goofy with a sniper yeah. rifle, but he's too cross-eyed see, to shoot you. You see the shadow with the two uh, mouse ears. You see Mickey and... <laughs> and that's it. They basically and just that's... find you chopped up into small pieces in a dumpster bin over somewhere in Jersey. But, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you had a really bad end there. They never found me if that would have happened. That would have been sad. I would have I changed my name to Carlos yeah, Danger. Yeah, you probably would have just let me rot in jail, wouldn't you? Rot in jail? 
They wouldn't let you go to jail. Anybody who infringes upon the Emperor's rights as Disney yeah, does not see the... There's like a... <laughs> screw it. Uh, oh, anyway. Edison. Edison. He stole a lot of shit without getting in trouble. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, in fact, he stole most of Tesla's ideas. But Tesla, also a really weird dude, so we're not going to get into that right now. Whip it, Tesla. Whip <laughs> it. You Tesla owner, you pleb. Shout out, Young Gravy. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. If he, if he uh, docks us on a Twitter, he's only be great. Anyway, uh, so Ford's career at that point in time, he starts shifting towards building actual automobiles. So by this point in time, by the 1890s, actually, they had started putting prototypes of vehicles into operation. There were, like, very few, maybe sure. two or three globally, because this was, like, something that people were, like, only the rich could have, right? Most most people didn't have the kind of money at that point. And, well, yeah, because, I mean, I'm sure you're going to get to it. I mean, like, design, at this point, yeah. automobiles are seen as the peak of luxury and the thing that Ford really does is revolutionize the idea that anyone can own one of these suckers. Well, actually, no. What's weird about that is, well, you're actually kind of right in the, the way that he starts distributing it. Right. Uh, at that point in time, yeah, he had a huge hand in creating the, the idea that the automobile was an American, was sort of like an American right, almost. He, you know, obviously wasn't the first person to create the automobile that would go to a number of people. It's kind of hard to tell who actually did because at that point in time, when you create a thing like an automobile who could drive and you wouldn't have like horseless carriage, basically, people are going to fucking steal it. That's just how that works, especially this time when there are no rules towards copyright. Well, people were just basically taking each other's blueprints and copying and them, yeah. changing slight things about them and yeah. making new companies for themselves. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you have the Dodge work. Brothers, you have uh, Dodge, uh, Chevrolet, I forgot Chevrolet. what his first name is, it might be Louis or something uh, like that. Benz Company, Mercedes-Benz. Well, I was just talking about even specifically well, I mean, like, the U.S. Automobiles. U.S. companies, yeah, but it happens a lot too overseas. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean so, that's that's a long-standing practice in like all industrialization. Like, pretty much, yeah. If you go back to even the industrial revolution, the only reason that that stuff came to America is because some dude literally stole the blueprints yeah, to the machine yeah. and came all the way across the dude, to America. The dude on who a came boat. here with like yeah, the dude who basically started in England with like textile machinery, literally like broke it down piece by piece. Yeah. And then smuggled it to the United with, States. With, like, blueprints, so we can make yeah. more. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. And then so, he could be the guy who creates it, and it, then we'd all remember him. As let, us, let us not be uh, remiss about the fact that uh, <laughs> plagiarism and industrialization has been happening for ages. <laughs> That's a knee slap there. It's great. <laughs> it's actually not. It fucking sucks. It really buggers a lot of people out of good money. It does. It really does. So, yeah, anyway, uh, by this point... Point he anyway so we talking about the by the winter of 1893 he actually constructs a small one cylinder gasoline model engine it's basically like you know how like so an idea of like a one cylinder would basically be like a Christ I, I would have to think it wouldn't even be probably powerful enough to power like a modern lawnmower I think that's like a two cylinder engine what about like those uh, electronic cars that little kids sometimes I know guess, maybe you think maybe. that's a one cylinder it's enough to drive your <laughs> It's enough to drive your. It's enough to drive the Barbie dream car to the yes. garage. <laughs> yeah, my fucking big wheel. <laughs> <laughs> the Barbie dream car. We're not sponsored by Barbie. <laughs> Thank God. I'm so. Oh, oh, you shot us down. A sponsor that was clamoring. No, no, no. The guy at Barbie headquarters has just got like jack bottles all over well, his desk. God fucking damn it! This was my break. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but. 
I have morals. We, so. we do have, like, there's kind of a morally reprehensible company for making women's images be like this plastic doll, but, you know. Barbie's got a lot of issues. You know what, Barbie, you know what, but Barbie had a bad upbringing, all right? You know what, you can't blame her for that. Oh, so, you know, serial killers, you know, they had No, I can blame her for that. <laughs> serial killers was not where you were going with that, No, dude. but I was just saying, you can't use that excuse every time. You can't No, it. I'm using they it now. Shit, well, then, again, had a shitty upbringing. It's really, you know. He fucking did, but, I mean, he also ate, killed people. And dug people up, well, you know what? Precisely, that's the point. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm saying. not laughing about his crimes, by the way. I'm laughing about your. Uh, are you though? Theory. Are you though? That's not my fucking theory. It was just. It was your theory. Okay, you you know, whatever. <laughs> Lucas, anyway. do you send a lot of mass emails? <laughs> Only to you. You know what? I I put those all in my uh yeah in my saved file. I'm compiling a file slowly for the FBI to look at. For the FBI. Yeah. Federal body inspector. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Anyway, that was female body inspector, but thank single, you. Way to go, Brett. Way to go. Single, so, wait, Brett, what? Why would yeah. you, why Brett? That's our new Brad. No. Brett, Brett no, Kavanaugh's Brad our new is Brad. Just, I don't, I don't want to talk about Brett Kavanaugh. We're not going to talk, we're just saying. But let's not defame everybody with the name Brett, like. All right, Brett. I guess we shouldn't say Brad either, because probably. There's a Brad out there, too. Dude, but. like six or seven of the dudes in the United States and Alaska, which is also part of the United States, I almost did that again. We're our Brads. That's literally our, our main category is Brad, so don't you fuck this up for us right now. You know, uh, single cylinder al- engines. <laughs> single cylinder engines. That's the rockiest regroup we've ever tried to do. Let's talk about single cylinder engines. I don't really want to. Let's just move on from let's, that. Let's move on from that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so he basically displayed it in his kitchen table to his wife. That's always cool. Um, Look what I brought home. Look at And his wife is like, the fuck is this? Now we're going to eat dinner with what it. I, what I love is the concept of back in the day, the engine wasn't totally off, but I love to think there was somebody who was kind of like a like a Don Quixote character, like fighting a windmill, sort of, like it was a dragon, like, demon in this fucking like, table. I just, I love the thought that he, he brought it and set it in the table. This is the modern day equivalent of being like a tax lawyer, or like being a lawyer and coming home and setting a bunch of books on the table. No, I was going to say it was kind of going to be like when your dad comes home after buying like a blockbuster video and says, we're going to be rich, except this actually works out for you. <laughs> you can't set a blockbuster video on the fucking table. <laughs> You got me there. You fucking got me there. <laughs> anyway. Oh, oh, man. If any of you can tell, it's been a long week for both of us. Anyway, um, so yeah, he he improves that model, and he actually installs it in his first automobile, which basically was like a basic frame fitted with four bicycle wheels, which is actually how most, oddly enough, most modern transportation besides the train uh, maybe the train, I don't know. Actually, I think they started with carriages. Starts in a bicycle shop, and I love that. <laughs> like, bikes create, kind of created the airplane, and bikes pretty much kind of I blended can creation. I my bike with no handlebars. Handlebars. No handlebars. You want to dab while you're doing that, bud? No handlebars. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. There's no there's no <laughs> webcam, so you can't see him degrading himself. For, you know, Thank you. <laughs> he did it again. Anyway. Nay, nay. <laughs> Watch me whip, whip, watch me nay, How nay. many old memes can we pull from the dredges of the internet today? I got tons, but we should probably keep going. Spongebob. <laughs> Pepe the Frog. Actually, that's a white supremacist meme, though. Anyway, um, he calls it the quadricycle, which is like like something I would assume to hear in the Tron movie, which is like just a re- like a reverse of the fucking like motorcycles they drive. Super futuristic. Yeah, I know. It's the quadricycle. 
It's like an anime that no one cares about. Oh, God. There's a lot of those. We have four wheels and none of the ingenuity. Four four <laughs> wheels and we've copied some other guy's design. America. All right, anyway. We don't have ingenuity, but we've got a successful design and that's what matters. <laughs> we can cookie cutter this motherfucker so all the way to the end. Every cheating high schooler on a test ever. And most of the I college didn't know people it, who didn't have study. the right answers. I didn't know it. I sat next to the kid with glasses. <laughs> God. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, that happens. Sorry, I gotta come back off of that one. Sorry, that's not gonna work. Uh, so yeah, that quadricycle, he creates that, and it's pretty much finished by June of 1896. So it took him pretty much three years to sort of get that down from the start of actually taking the engine and putting it in a car, which was pretty astounding because it was a huge feat for huge, huge feat for um anybody who. Absolutely had no fucking idea what a car was, which was pretty much everybody at that point mm-hmm, in time. Mm-hmm. But uh, at that point in time, he has that design for the quadricycle, which I'm going to probably think about that forever now. And he resigned, actually, from Edison's company and organized the Detroit Automobile Company with a bunch of other smaller sort of like engine manufacturers and vehicle manufacturers. <laughs> Fast fact, guess how long it take for, took for that uh, particular group to go out of business? Two Just months. No, eighteen oh. months. Eighteen months. We're 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 just shy of a year and I think a quarter. Pretty sure. Year and a quarter. Nicely done. If we make that if we make that pod, if we make this podcast last this long, I'll be pretty impressed. Dude, if if we don't if we don't have like some sort of stupid random like fake drama, like <laughs> Lucas isn't my friend anymore. <laughs> I'm like the Jake Paul of no. <laughs> don't want to be Jake Paul. Just a side podcast. Call it. Jake's hacked history. Call it, call it unhacked history. Just be like, <laughs> we just like steal the picture, but like, I'm yeah, it's Ray A. Kroc, I'll a, but I'll unsuccessful. Put a, I'll put another one called uh, Encoded History. Dude, we. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Yeah, I keep making references to Ray A. Kroc. Now we gotta do him. Oh, 100%. Dude. Yeah, no. There's a whole list of... Lucas has a shrine that's... to him in his bedroom. No, uh-huh. no. I used to work at McDonald's. That's true, but that's because I needed money. Yep. Anyway. Oh, nice. Uh, anyway. We have a whole list. Don't worry. Uh, that's the one great thing about this podcast type is there's plenty of people we can tap into. Just, really just what? A lot of... American the... history is full of a bunch of a two-faced lot... assholes. <laughs> Turned out, so is regular history, so we got plenty Ron of people. Ronald Reagan, we're coming for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. Mar- we could definitely do one on Margaret yeah, Thatcher. Yeah, that one we could, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, he resigned from Edison, and yeah, after the first failure of the automobile, or the Detroit Automobile Company, he jumps right back into it and creates the Ford Automobile Company. Uh, and he starts... Aptly named? Yeah, pretty much. And he starts designing and building a lot of racing cars. So, by this point in time, we're starting to go into the early 1900s. Racing cars is actually starting to catch on. A lot of people think of it like the early 1900s, like like World War One, post-World War One, sort of 1920s. It's more international at that point, but this is sort of like the beginnings of early racing. Mm-hmm. And he creates several racing cars, and as... If I, if I recall, there's one thing you're about to tell me is gonna, that's going to sort of revolutionize the Ford Motor Company pretty soon, am I right? Oh, yeah, it's getting there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, pretty much him, him defeating a lot of those opponents through the racing, though, gets him to becoming an actual name brand. So where a lot of people, like, if you if your car fucking sucks, nobody's going to buy it. That's just, you know, business tip right there, kiddos. Like, that's going to happen. So if you're good, people, capitalism. people will like you. Yeah, capitalism. And then you can steal other people's ideas. <laughs> and then you can make it your own company. Yeah. 
With no effort at all? Just kidding. Like Lucas. Lucas it's is going to steal the idea of McDonald's and call it just McDonald's. Like M-A-C, no, like a, spi- like a no, Scottish if McDonald's. You, if you're at the McDonald's Corporation, which you are... Uh, <laughs> you literally have a bug in your apartment wherever you go. And you, you somehow managed to hear this. I'm not going to do what yeah. Jake said. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> They're too busy trying to be family friendly. It's going to be called whatever. McHenry's. <laughs> <laughs> that actually probably is a brand somewhere. Oh, you could, probably. Oh, Henry. <laughs> oh, Good old okay, shout well, out to that god-awful candy. Um, anyway, so um, he... And I like the I kind of added a couple other things before what you're talking about with the the revolutionizing um, mm-hmm. vehicle manufacturer. Uh, by June 16, 1903, Henry and twelve other members invest about twenty eight thousand and then sort of create like the proper Ford Motor Company, where yeah. it was like first it was Ford just himself and he was kind of like running the show of a whole company with literally like him and maybe his son maybe and, maybe and at that point in time then it was him twelve other members within the, the uh, Michigan or Detroit area and they basically said. Fuck yeah, let's do this because you clearly know what you're doing. <laughs> and uh, there you we go. You stole the right blueprints, sir. That's right. You stole the right blueprints to, uh, and you, you two-faced your ass all the way to the front line, <laughs> like the guy at every Six Flags who walks around on his knees trying to be shorter. Anyway, okay, Ford does end up being pretty innovative, though. We should probably give him he credit does. For yeah, I gave you credit where credit's due, because I'm pretty sure. No, no, that's a Chevy Equinox out there. That's and we're not sponsored by Chevy. Are you gonna talk about the assembly line? You fucking let me get there. <laughs> if you wouldn't keep stopping me for fifteen minutes, Karen. I get it. This marriage is going downhill. Dude, that's a little deep. I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, first of all, we were never married. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would be an ugly kid. <laughs> That besides the fact that I'm not interested in men, but you know that's okay. But hey, hey but if you are, if you is out there, I don't have a problem with it. Just me personally. Uh, hey, that's how you swing, or don't swing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I hate to say this, but you know what? If if you are a person who's in the LGBT community, just understand that we are joking. <laughs> oh no, we uh, we definitely have a lot of a lot of respect and, and oh my God. for this for everybody yeah. out there who's in that community. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> After Lucas decided to just throw my trainer off the track there, um, they fur they their actual first company or fucking Jesus Christ, you you've shot this whole thing to hell for me kind of. The first vehicle sells in July of that year. I don't know where first company came from. Uh, Ford becomes the president then and controlling owner in 1906. By 1919, Henry Clara, who's his wife, and Edsel Ford, who's his son. Shout out to the first name Edsel. That's not a name I've ever heard before. That's clearly like an early 1900s name. Acquire the interest of all minority stockholders for a whopping $105,820,894 and become sole owners of the company, which I did a little bit of math, inflation rates for that. What they acquired that interest now equates to, there's a lot of commas here, two, three, um, I think it's one trillion five hundred and seventy-eight billion. 800, no, 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 it's $1,578,841,621.67. Just for context, was the U.S. national debt like $3 trillion? Give or take, yeah. It's, so, this is just a so billion. What, though. that's like 33% of the <laughs> Pretty much. national debt? Give or take. <laughs> hey. As, we, as we're doing this podcast, our world's currently on fire. <laughs> anyway. Hey, Corona. Hey, Macarena. We're dying. I'm not sponsored by the Macarena or Corona. Anyway, um, so Ford, from that point on time, 
into like 1990 and onwards until around 1943. Ford kind of steps away from the company and lets his son kind of run everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford does return back to the company after his death of after the death of his son in 1943, who died of stomach cancer, and then after in 1945, he would then resign again, sort of as like a proper like. Retirement. And doesn't uh, doesn't he have another son who takes over after that? Uh, he actually has a grandson. Okay, yeah, that, I knew he had, there was another Ford. Yeah, it was it was actually it was Henry Ford II who actually was his mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like like this is his my thing. Anyway, so uh, throughout that time though, sort of a short kind of taking it a drag back. What Lucas mentioned was that you know Ford was known for using. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> You're the fucking guy in every movie. Run, bitch! Run! He gonna die! I know the answer. I know you do. We get it. You're in AP history. So was I. All right. Shit, wasn't. All right. Well, fuck. You have less respect for you than I did. Anyway. I have a degree in history. You want to fight? What? What did you say? So I have a degree in history. You want to fight me? So do I. What are you talking about? Exactly. R- respect my name. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. Respect? I can't respect your English quality. That's damn sure. I was doing it on purpose, man. It's a meme. Nope, no, it's not. Birdman. Respect. He says it like that. Okay, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna explain this to you. I'm not like I'm just waiting for it to be off. Please so somebody stop. Please somebody send an email to us and explain this to Jake. I don't really want to read that email. <laughs> Hackhistory101 at gmail. You know what? If you send me that email, guess what? I won't read it. <laughs> I'll print out fifty of them and put them all in Jake's apartment. That's I will literally. <laughs> what? How are you gonna get in my apartment? That's a that unveils a whole other situation. He just steals my keys. Black ops. Anyway, <laughs> you fucking you fucking like from Black Ops where you like the window in in that mission just like throw pamphlets and get out <laughs> i just the mental image of you swinging at the end of a rope from a helicopter nah, outside I, my window i'll just have a special forces zip line and i'll just cut into it <laughs> special forces okay now they just remind you're gonna literally stretch a zip line from across the street of that building and literally ride your ass down and break my oh window. yeah 100 you're just gonna like fucking with a hammer i have a hammer too <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna die. So anyway, oh, please wow. send me the email so I can break into Jake's oh, apartment. Holy <laughs> so anyway, as Lucas keeps fucking around with it, yes, he did indeed bring the he did indeed bring the assembly line into automotive construction, which beforehand really makes things a lot faster because the original process was basically that you would have to order the parts from a specific person who specified in that thing. So. The idea was prior to the assembly line, prior to what we'd consider to be automation effectively, was a lot of what was like cottage industry. So if you wanted a product like a gun, you would literally have to go through multiple steps to get it. Mm-hmm. So say like if you're buying like – if back in the 1800s, if you were to buy like a proper musket for like hunting or whatever, if you wanted to buy that gun, you literally had to look for a guy who could get a gunsmith, in which case you would probably have to wait quite a while because you need the guy to go out and get the wood for the stock of the gun – the body of the gun you need a, a metal smith or a blacksmith who would actually make the barrel you need somebody who would know how to create like sort of the inner mechanisms of it you know and honestly like that whole process for what makes well you make guns probably like 100 a day now maybe i don't know but like at the time that could take like weeks or months because it was all up to what those individual like like craftsmen were doing basically here the industrial revolution brought this process of basically putting one part on the assembly line and having like a basically a group of laborers just do that one job all day 
Mm-hmm. And then it would move on to the next group, who would have a different job, and they'd put well, it together. And I can vehemently, vehemently remember, uh, we did some sort of activity, like, in elementary school. When I, where I, where I'm mm-hmm. I don't know if you did this, Jake. Uh, <clears throat> but the activity was basically, uh, the first time we tried to, like, make, like, this certain product. I think it was some with paper. It was, like, some really, like, simple with paper, but it was mm-hmm. meant to just to simulate the assembly line. The first time, like, we had to do it all by ourselves and see how many we could make. Mm-hmm. And then... We did it where each of us had one job and we passed it along. And, like, it was unreal how many more we got done compared yeah. to when we were trying to do every step ourselves. I think what we did something similar. I think it was, like, oh, it, it was something along those lines. But we did do an actual activity. We basically lined up on a long table and did something similar. Mm-hmm. I'm trying yeah, to remember if we – because I remember actually doing an activity. There was a couple of times that we did a similar activity. Whether I did it – the first time was with Legos or something like that or with paper or – but, like, really, the, the ingenious of the assembly line comes from the fact that you brought up, like, a just normal person trying to do that stuff for themselves, but there also were, like, companies who would uh, do basically what I just described, where, like, they do everything and they, like, make one thing, like, one at a time like that. Yeah. Uh, and they couldn't start the next one, so one got finished. It was just, like, an extremely yeah, pricey, no, yeah, see, and, pricey that, and, like, long sorry, process. Sorry, that's the cut into you there. No, you're, you're good. I cut you off so many times. <laughs> that's so loud. Like, no, no, I'm going to finish. <laughs> it's extremely pricey. Yeah, I know. And the process. And then when you bring the assembly well, yeah. on, uh, literally it's one person doing each job. Uh, and you can kind of keep things flowing so you get more than one done a day like that. Where you, like Whereas, you mm-hmm. you know, it's just an incredible, like, advance in how things were produced. Boy, yeah. And it wouldn't just, like, that goes along the lines just not much. Nah. Not just, like, auto manufacturing, but it was, like, everything mm-hmm. and, and to mm-hmm. a certain degree. Like, anything after that, whether it was automotives or mechanics or, or basically making, like, fucking toys or this something. This is basically, like, the one novel idea you can really give Ford credit for. Oh, yeah. Like, well... I mean, oh, he, he, did, he did some other things, too. That's true, I, yeah. I, I, he, he was innovative, but I'm saying, like, as far as, like, business, like, and, yeah. like, as far as like, the one thing he's known for, mm-hmm. you really could give him credit for this over the creation of the car, because... That's true, because the car creation could go to anybody. One of the most interesting things about that is that, yeah, like, what you described, again, was the fact that, like, the prior problems with the old way of doing stuff was that if a, if a specific artisan, which was kind of the term they would use, wanted An to artisan. take... If that dude wanted to take a fucking three-year siesta, you would never see that product made. And that guy could say, I don't give a fuck. Like, that, it was entirely up to how one person would create it and whether they could, if they created a good product. It was kind of like a lottery. Kind of like this podcast. Okay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Everyone. It's somewhat good, but there's also some shit in there. And you come for this, and I know you do. I know you do. And that's why we love you. Anyway, um, so it, to that point, right, he is known for that. And it makes a huge impact on industrialized society because everything – that comes off like every like cars now even with robots doing it is still part of the assembly line yeah it's the same process it's just a lot of it became mechanized versus automated pretty power. much yeah. yeah pretty much right it, it just it made it easier that you wouldn't have to worry about like skilled labor which mm-hmm. would require like people to be like part of a union which could cause trouble for a lot of like there there's a huge if you want to read the labor history in the u.s it's a very ugly history it's really interesting but it's super like like, unions were never anybody's, like, any industrialist's friend. They always were fighting them. You know who also does a really good job in certain spots with that? That's a TV show people could watch? Yeah. Uh, the Men Who Built America? Dude, yes. Does a really good job of portraying unions and labor in sort of the 
conflicts that industrials had with them. Yeah. So if you're not a much of a reader, but you do enjoy documentary style, it's not even necessarily a documentary. It's like a live action like. Well, it's like a docu drama kind it, of. It's really interesting. I mean, I really enjoyed it personally. Yeah. So for me, it's out there that wants to see something like that but doesn't want to read. Yeah. That's History Channel, I think, is a really good option. Yeah. yeah. One of the few things that History Channel has done that hasn't been absolute garbage. Aliens, Nazis, swamp people. Um, alien Nazis giving swamp alien people Nazi the ability to people? use rockets. Alien Nazis swamp people? What I love about the fact is that History Channel literally just said, human beings cannot be smart enough to put a fucking object into space. Like, they literally had to say, the aliens gave us the information. I can imagine to knowing that human beings are smart enough to do that. But, you know, anyway. So, after, uh, after the assembly line, what happens with Ford? Um, he... Really has a sort of short retirement. He did get replaced by his grandson, Henry Ford II, and he was... He said, this is what I want, and the board of directors said, sure, yeah, of course, because you're the, you're the boss, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you, you've led us this far, and we're pretty much like an empire, kind of. Yeah. I mean, there are other there are auto manufacturers. Other ones, but nobody likes it's Ford. Like, a, like I said, a fun fact, kind of, is those of you who may drive a Cadillac, you are literally actually driving a vehicle that was an offshoot of Ford, because... What ended up happening when Ford moved from that first company right after the Detroit Automotive Company became Cadillac on its own, right? So he spawned a couple of companies. Cadillac still exists, but I'm thinking they're bought up by somebody else now. I don't know. Um, I want to say GM owns them, but I'm not positive. Probably. I don't know. They all all kind of build the same design. Big-ass cars. Anything that a Saudi prince or the president of the United States will want to drive. Big-ass cars for big-ass stars. Yeah, big-ass stars. Or mostly just people with big asses. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so at that point in time, in 1945, uh, from 1946 until his death, and then actually after his death, Ford would become sort of the household name around the globe. He would be introduced to... Or, he, like, his name alone would, like, have... They'd have galas and birthday parties, even though he actually passed away in 1947. So... He has a really long life for being born in 1863. Yeah, that was a guy who defied most of the odds of somebody born in the 18, mid-1800s. Oh, 100%. We're talking about people who died from sepsis at the age of two. Like, but we're looking to, like... When you're talking to somebody who's, like, at the age of 12, you're like, I'm hoping to have kids soon. Like, the fuck? No. But, like, that, but that's just the way it was. And so, for him, you know, that was huge. His name now was basically, like, like it became synonymous with the American brand, especially from 1947, especially in the 1950s, when we start talking about, like, Americana, where every American owns a car and can use, like, the interstate highway mm-hmm. to travel. Ford is basically taking that, the lead alongside a couple other companies. Well, and there's some changes that um, Henry Ford second or starts making too, where like he, in, in the fifties, you know, you have that complete almost redesign of like what Ford looked like. Yeah. You have that more like uh. Sort of streamlined. Sort of streamlined design. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. supposed to be like yeah. a hot rodding car, and people yeah. like chopped it up and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of the hot rodding cars back in the fifties. You see sort of like the you chopped like the the hood section off of it, the cowling, put and big, you put the big yeah the big engine with the air scoops in it. Yeah, that was pretty much like Ford most of them. There are a couple Chevys there, and I've seen a couple. But, you know, yeah, Ford was sort of, like, kind of at the forefront of redesigning and rebranding and sort of doing a lot of stuff. So, for what it was, they had a lot of really good PR. Um, 
but sort of like the last part of Ford's life was his death. And he died at his residence in Fairlane in Dearborn at 11.40 p.m. on Monday, April 7th, 1947. What did he die of? He followed, a, it was a cerebral hemorrhage, basically. Okay. So it was kind of like an aneurysm, I think. It was something went off in his brain, probably a blood vessel, and he just sort of quickly bled to death at the gotcha. age of 83, which is actually pretty fast. Uh, where they said they noted something that I didn't write down was that, that apparently at his residence there had been like a flood that wiped the power out. So in a really weird like full circle way, way he'd been born was like on by candlelight and like in the like in that county in like a barn. He literally died kind of the same way. Wow. Like it was a little weird, but yeah, that was that's his life, right? And he's left behind a legacy. Um, as time goes on, it's kind of been somewhat tarnished. Well, I mean, not somewhat. It, it has been a little bit. Let's talk about the uh, misconceptions yeah. slash theories out there about him. Yeah. I feel like that's where we're getting some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, like a proper podcaster, and finally got my shit together here, and I have the the link that I have these misconceptions at. So if you want to read these, these are at a website called ppcorn.com. I did not name the site, but they're this is something. It's top seven misconceptions. Don't laugh at me, goddammit. I do my best. I'm laughing at the website, dude. I'm not laughing at you. I don't know why it's named that. I don't understand. Sounds so, sounds so reliable. It's so... Dude, you would be surprised. That Hitler episode, I had to go to some dark corners to find some shit. Like, I'm pretty sure the FBI's got a file on me now. Well, I don't think many scholarly websites are posting shit about Hitler's... Left ball. That was Napoleon's dick and Hitler's left ball. That's right, it was his left ball. There was a scholarly website that talked about Napoleon's dick, and for the life of me, I don't remember what it was. God, I'd love to know what university published that one. (laughs) I think it might have been Calvin, I don't know. Oh my god. Anyway. Anyway, so the first misconception here, and and, and like I said, most of you who may not know this yet, I start a misconception, I start with the light ones, and we get sort of the big ones at the end. Or some of the more wild ones. So, like, you know, when we talk about Hitler's left ball, missing nut, or Napoleon's Basically dick in a box. Basically, the last one is the one Jake makes me most uncomfortable with. <laughs> yeah, that's the running theme. Because I love that these are sometimes things he's never actually heard of before. So, like, Napoleon's dick in a box was one that was that was a wild one. Because you wanted to move on so much, but I was not letting you go well, from moved, that spot. We moved on eventually. We did, but not until I had had my fun. Anyway. We're, we're going to talk about these misconceptions now. What's number one for Henry Ford there, uh, the I titled it, kind of ironically, The Man and His Horses. Uh, so this one refers to Ford basically being asked about the design plans for the original Model T. And he, when people were asking him, you know, why did you make a car like this? You know, because at this point in time, when he's making a Model T, people are like, this is stupid. This car is not going to catch on, right? If people are going to go back to horses and walking. Well... Most of those people usually are fucking wrong. So there you go. Um, and when he was asked, he sort of validated that creation of him, justifying his decision by saying, if I asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Uh, that quote came to sort of encapsulate his progressive thinking process, like the idea of like, I'm not going to let the past define what the future will be. And then on top of that, he was sort of saying, it kind of showed how his personality was that of somebody who went against the conventional norms of that time. He's a maverick. Yeah, he's a maverick. He's the John McCain before John McCain. Uh, God bless John McCain. He's gone now, but never forgot. Rest in peace. Anyway, uh, there, however, is no little, there's like little to no evidence that he actually said this. I think it was probably just created as like a PR stunt by somebody because it sounded like something that would have matched the way he worked. You know, that was just something basic. Uh, number two, the kingpin. 
uh, Ford was often considered a penny pincher for life and beyond. And due to this idea that he used a small automotive part called the Kingpin in his vehicles. The story goes that Ford took a lot of pride in constructing vehicles of the highest quality and parts. But due to that penny-pinching nature, as the story goes, he started creating cost-cutting measures as a means of saving money. I mean, you know, sure. as any any business owner will tell you, right, there's a fine balance between quality and quantity. Too much quality, you're not making enough. You know, yeah, your quality could be million dollars worth, but if there's only a couple of it, you're going to have a very small market. But on top of that, make, like... I'm going to say McDonald's again. I'm talking to you, Walmart. If you make shit out of plastic that only takes about 15 minutes, I'm going to take it back. Well, and if you look at people like Rolls Royce, mm-hmm. who make a very small amount of cars, but yes. they make very expensive cars, yes. that business model can work. Lamborghini. But you, have, but you have to have a very specific clientele. Yeah. And you also um, don't have a lot of room for error there because if yeah. you make something those people don't like, like you are fucked that is it in rough shape you know and a good example of that for some people who'd like if you want to google search the, the studebaker automotive company mm. studebaker was a great example of that because studebaker made the the most luxurious cars in the 1920s the early 1900s and yeah they went out of business i think they got bought up but there was a great example of like a small market Basically requiring that the quantity, the quality of the product had to be there. It had to be consistent. Otherwise, you fuck that up, you're losing money. So what happened here was that Ford apparently sent a research group over and looked at a lot of these old Model Ts and noticed that this thing called the Kingpin, which was sort of like just sort of a small part of the car that kind of made everything and kept everything together, was very sort of unworn compared to the rest of the parts. And he said, well, shit, I can't be spending so much money on these parts, right? So the idea was that what he started doing was he started installing lower quality parts into his newer vehicles in order to save, in order to save money. And even today, these rumors remain. Um, the idea here is that these rumors probably came around as part of either somebody not liking Ford, somebody saying, you know, you know, X, Y, and Z reason that, you know, Ford was cheapskate, you know, stuff like that. Or it oftentimes falls under what I like to call the, they don't make them like less and they don't make them well anymore mindset. You know, the back in my day mindset. So, yeah, that misconception is pervasive, but it, you know, it's, it there's not a lot to back it up. So, here comes the one that Lucas has probably had a half chub for the entire time. Why do you the Dearborn Independent! Why do you keep trying to insinuate that I have chubs on this show? <laughs> the people need an image of something. Well, that's... One, it's not true. <laughs> Two, why? It would be called that a misconception, my friend? Yeah, we would call that a misconception, <laughs> Jake. <laughs> anyway. The Dearborn Independent. If anybody knows Ford's um, legacy or modern legacy, the Dearborn Independent, you should, at this point in time, probably be enjoying yourself a little bit. Um, Ford's fame, like all famous people, he received a lot of criticism for the publication of his sort of personal newspaper called the Dearborn Independent. He bought out that newspaper. He did, yeah. So Dearborn actually started as its own newspaper, and then he did buy it, like many you know, business magnates would. Uh, the story goes that during the Second World War, Ford's newspaper bore a large amount of anti-Semitic, hate-based material. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. According to record, Ford was actually friends with Adolf Hitler. 
Uh, <laughs> however, he refused to admit that he had any hand in the creation or publication of the statements made by the Dearborn Independent. And in fact, when he was sued for libel, because shut, shut the fuck up so I can finish the sentence. I see you gearing up for it. Stop. <laughs> you can say what you say when I'm done. When he sued for libel over the statements, the people on the the people on the pocket is like Jesus. They either hate each other or they're like they love what like this is weird. He actually he stated in a sort of a bitchy move that he was in a car accident and he could not testify at that libel hearing. So he got thrown out because he, he's like I got I hurt myself. No, it's like well, what? That was convenient car crash. Huh? I mean, I'm not saying that he was dying, but I'm saying that's awfully convenient like, for him not okay, to be able so to show like, up. Okay, so like, I want to break this one thing. down because anybody could be apology, like, a, could be an apologist for him here. Like, you gotta really think about this. Like, you are the company president who owned a fucking newspaper, and you say, "I had no hand in it." You could have enough of a hand to say no. He bought <laughs> the newspaper. I know. He bought the newspaper and he owned the newspaper. At some point in time, you can't just say, "Oh, they did it on their own." What mavericks they were! How they, oh, they swindled. No, you, you fucking could. I don't want to ruin this to you, but do you have one about his publishing company yet? Or is this what you're going to talk about it? Uh, vaguely. Uh, have you got more information on it? So he owned a publishing company, and that's one of the companies that like published the newspaper. Yeah. But he also published a bunch of other shit. And by much other shit, I mean, like, he literally published another publication of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which, if you listen to our Hitler episode, you would know that those were anti-Semitic writings published in, starting in Russia, uh, essentially starting a lot of the, the theories of, uh, Jewish people controlling the world, there's imagery of a bunch of Jewish people standing around the globe, like, pulling strings, uh, and, uh, yeah, Henry Ford decided that deserves another publication. <laughs> uh, you know what? They didn't do well the first time. Let's go again! <laughs> and, no! Uh, I mean, the specific series that he published in the Dearborn Independent that got him the most flack, uh, was a series of posts called The International Jew. Oh, my God. Uh, and a lot of those writings were actually based <sighs> off of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. God damn it. And I believe, if I remember right, I think those were written by Henry Ford himself. The, uh, oh, the wow. international Jew, I believe, was written by Henry Ford himself. So, yeah, like, the concept here was that they said he had no hand in making it. This misconception is really only a misconception based on the fact that they don't really have any fully, like, vetted, like, I did it, this was my, you know, because Ford, like Disney, if there is some anti-Semitic sort of leanings towards their founders, they will cover it up. That's bad. That's bad for business. Well, okay, I did find there was a... Oh, wow. Keep vamping. Okay, so basically, yeah. The point is, in my personal opinion, that misconception, though it is a misconception considerably, I do believe there is more than enough proof they could put him in that position. Because there is so much stating that he did have some kind of overview. Well, even just doing a quick Google search here, like there's... PBS has an article that says Ford and his anti-Semitism. See? Right, like, by this point in time, by modern standards, right, we are aware that he is. But there are people out there that say no, because, you know, he is an American icon. You know, it's the idea of, like, like Thomas Jefferson. You know, spoiler, having sex with your slaves and then having a child out of that and then not acknowledging that kid does make you look a bit like a tool. 
But, you know, as a proper patriot, you have to look at that shortcoming and understand what that means. Does that mean that America is the greatest? Probably not. Do are we good con are we a good country? Yeah. Do we have a lot to work on? Hell yeah. So actually so it doesn't say that he wrote the International Jew, but it's heavily implying that he had a major hand in it. See, yeah, it's um, like yeah. I mean, but there are quotes from this like if there is one quality that attracts Jews, it is power. That is a direct quote. Wow, that's on the nose. Or uh, there's lines saying that, according to the International Jew, it is not merely that there are few Jews among international financial controllers, it is that these world controllers are exclusively Jews. The book that claimed that... You could literally have been so much more on the point about The that. motion picture influence of the United States of the whole world is exclusively under the control, moral and financial, of the Jewish manipulators of the public mind. The, wait, they said the motion picture? The motion picture of the influence of the United States. So just like the... Oh, whole... oh I thought you meant like the motion, like movies. Because I was going to say, if anybody's ever listened to our uh, Walt Disney podcast, the Motion Picture Alliance actually is a fairly anti-Semitic organization. But, you know, eh. so hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. Well, it was all awful. Yeah, um, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I mean, if you look back at some of the stuff we talked about with the Hitler episode, though, uh, some of the same thought processes with eugenics and stuff like that yeah. definitely still come into play here. It's a very similar scenario. Uh, if you want a better, better description of that, feel free to go back to our last week's episode yeah. about Adolf Hitler. We do a really good job of describing it there. I don't want to get back into it Slightly now. Slightly as incoherent as this one, but you know what? You learn something every day. <laughs> so, I mean, I know you've heard this. I know that we're kind of sticking a long time on this, but I feel like this is worth talking about. That, like, from a day-to-day, for a lot of people who listen to these podcasts, you know, you may or may not deal with anti-Semitism. If you do, you know, we're right there behind you because you're fighting the good fight as a person who's just there to live. If you're fighting mm-hmm. anti-Semitism, we're not saying we're behind anti-Semitics, but I, I think we. Yeah, yeah I want to make sure that that's not misconstrued because that would be a really bad way to end this fucking fifth episode. Go by saying you said something wrong oh, and got well, fucked that's in the, the ass. Quotes. We're not done after your consent. Oh, don't you worry, it's fine. And and Lucas here has actually seen this, but uh, in point, Stephen's point, where we are doing this podcast, this used to be a very big logging town, very big manufacturing mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, there was a company that was basically like opening up its doors to sell all of its cool old shit um in it i actually picked up uh, sort of like unbeknownst i didn't know what this was i wasn't searching for this but i found it was like this two four it was a two page it was like a yeah it was a two page four-sided like newspaper sort of which was either from like the cold war because it had to do with communists as well as jews but it was just this rambling incoherent mess talking about how the Jews control the you know it was it was basically like an elders of Zion is sort of like news pamphlet I want to two things yes so one the Dearborn Independent the reason that that like people were were even more concerned about that than it would have been about like just other anti-Semitic writings Ford distributed that all over through the company it yeah was, I mean, there's in dealerships, it was in manufacturers. It didn't just stay in Michigan. Like, those fluctuated all over the yeah, country. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, you brought, you're bringing up of that as a good reminder that just because um, all of these things might not be as out in the open as they are, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, 
Uh, all it takes is uh, be careful with this because uh, I don't really see anybody get any lists out there. A couple web searches to figure out that we are not nearly in as good of a place as we should be no. on issues of race and tolerance and religion and, like and that. anything. Uh, you want to see examples of uh, and I can I shout out Paul Sabark here. Okay. Uh, go check out the Southern Poverty Law Center website. Nice. There's a whole bunch of facts and statistics. There's a hate map that'll show you. The hate map is really nice. The, it'll show you all of where the hate groups and stuff are. Uh, around you specifically, or anywhere in the United States, uh, I recommend checking that out if you want. Yeah. If you want to look at what modern modern day hate looks like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a reminder that it's still out there. Yeah, it's sort of like nice. Anybody here who's listening to the podcast, you happen to be a teacher and you're looking for like, well, how do I how do I approach this? If you have like internet access, absolutely have your kids go and see it. Get that really brings them to the idea that even though it's around them, it shows them to better understand the world that they're in, so they may make it better. Um, so yeah, anyway, enough of that, you know, but I think we've touched enough on that from the really heavy to the slightly comical. I don't know how I'm going to hold this off, but here we go. Um, Ford is known to, or this one's called Henry Ford loves black, which rolling off the tongue after that really doesn't sound good, but Ford is known to have written a comment in his biography that any customer can have a car painted any color that he wants as long as, as long as it is black. Um, I don't know, Lucas, if you've ever heard that particular quote before? I haven't, no. Okay. Uh, it was sort of comedic, right? You could have it in any color as long as it's black. Uh, one might assume that all early Ford models were black, but actually the reality was that that quote that he stated was just humorous. And apparently some fucking he-who-brains out there decided, you know, to take and say, well, he means it literally. But, uh, yeah, the reality was that... For a lot of the Ford models, even those that you see on like the internet, a lot of them are black. The actual early colors came as gray, green, blue, or red. Didn't actually offer black as an available color until like the early 20s. So, you know, kind of a fun fact. You know, it's not really huge, but you know. This one might blow your mind. This one. Uh, the assembly line genius. You ready for this? Now, I could kind of, I got as much as I could to vet this. But from what I can tell, from an early age, almost every American child was taught that Henry Ford was the first industrialist to effectively use the assembly line in order to revolutionize the manufacture of vehicles. Most of us read that, and we meant the first industrialist in the world to do that. A lot of us did not look at the small print, or there wasn't any small print that told us that actually, though the misconception was slightly true... He was the first industrialist in the United States to use it, to create vehicles. He would be known for that, and he's got credit there, because in the United States, that's a big step, at least in American industrialism, but the actual first, fuck me, that was loud, the actual first true company that used an assembly line to create vehicles was the Benz Automotive Company in Germany. Benz had been manufacturing vehicles in this fashion before Ford actually got to the concept. But like we talked about with the textile mills, the ideas spread through people, mm-hmm. picks it up, brings it there, makes them famous. But in that, you know, a little bit of that, in first industrialist, got lost in translation, was the first U.S. industrialist. So a little bit of nitpicking, but it goes, it does go a long way. This last one, and I love this one, because this kind of falls under the shoddy business practices model that we were talking about is the Ford legacy. 
Uh, popular memory of Ford would say that he was a ben- oh no wait no this is, the last one is that this is the Ford legacy was that he was a benevolent employer and a man that thought often of his employees and their well-being. Uh, in a time when wages and labor were jarringly lower and even, Ford came to realize that an assembly line job was different than any other job. So basically saying, like, back at the time when he had assembly line workers, what you probably would have been making was somewhere around 25 cents an hour, maybe less. Like, barely that. Maybe a dollar. Like, even now, when we're talking to, like, a wage gap problems, like, it was worse then. It's not really – I mean, it's better now, but not as bad, but it still could use some work. He was kind of known as the one guy who made wage levels better with his token $5 day, which back in the day was, like, kick-ass. Like, anybody would love $5 when things were, like, a cent. Like, a, you could probably buy a house for, like, $5. Um, and that allowed his workers to be able to afford his products. Sort of a common practice amongst industrialists is that you provide them housing, you provide them supplies, you provide them food and shelter – and they basically live on the factory grounds, basically. So, you know, in that way. It was kind of like a self-fulfilling cycle. Well, of, that's a historical precedent. Um, he's yeah. not the first to do it either. No, he isn't. But if that's just like Lowell, Massachusetts, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Those are all different. Those are all towns formed. Uh, basically on there, yeah. And Dearborn was like, is like that still today, too. There's, yeah. um, there's still a massive presence yeah. forward in that city. A lot of East Coast towns, especially from Maine down to, like, I think sort of like the Mid-South, something like maybe Georgia, depending on where you go. There were a lot of places that sprung up based on one industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christ, mm-hmm. point here was, even though it wasn't named, you know, Lumbertown, USA, you know, we were basically sort of created as a town that served as like, you know, wood cutting. So that was, you know, just one of those things that he did. The problem with that is that the the image that provided him as sort of like this benevolent guy who was really nice to his employers really was – this. he did this more based on like cold hard economic numbers. It basically stated that he used this not because he was generous but because he understood the basic financial efficiency of hiring less workers for longer times on higher pay. Basically stating, you know, I'm not doing this because I care. I'm doing this because it's more effective for me, right? And that, that you can see that, that it worked. Last one, number seven, the Model T. This one this one kind of blew my mind a little bit, but I wasn't surprised. Ford's early fame is synonymous with the Model T automobile. If you don't know what that looks like, take a gander on the internet. It's a rattle trap of a vehicle. I've actually, no joke, I literally got the ride in one. Holy shit. If you have a hemorrhoid, you are in for a fucking ride. You're definitely going to get one at the end of that. But, um... Well, I mean, when you go from horse-drawn carriage, which probably would not have been much better. No, it wasn't. It really... I tried that, too. It really wasn't good. (laughs) Um, uh, Ford's fame for that design is misunderstood. Ford did not create the design for the Model T. So, it it goes... The proper credit goes to two immigrants. Do you want to take a game... Do you want to take a crack at which um, nationality you think they are? Irish? Uh And there's two, so you get another choice. I was right with one, or I was wrong with one. No, just just give me two two options. Okay, Irish and I'm gonna go. What else would I be immigrating at that point? I think it's 1907. So think about it like that. Yeah. Um. Gosh. I I don't know, man. I don't have another okay, one. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Right. Um. At first, I would have thought immigrants. Here, the credit goes to two immigrants who actually worked for his company called Joseph Gallim. 
and Charles Sorensen. So the proper credit goes to, I believe, Josef. It may be Polish. I'm thinking it's Polish. Or it's Eastern European uh, in that area. And Charles Sorensen, which Sorensen is a Swedish last name or Danish. So those two guys actually created the design. And as a result... Shout out to the Swedes and Danish. shout, Shout out to that. And as a result, as history tends to go, the little man gets fucked in the ass because those guys didn't get credit at all. <laughs> those dudes created the model, and Ford went and said, mine now. So, yeah. All right. Pretty proper of that time period, though. But well, that's what I'm Now that we paint the really good portrait of him, I've got some quotes to finish up here. Ha-ha! <laughs> <clears throat> Luke's quote, like, oh, no. Quote number one. Whatever you have, you must either use or lose. I like that one, actually. It's pretty nice. Well, some of these are taken in the wet. If you take them at face value... They sound okay. But then if you put Ford behind them, you realize that he's... Yeah. Kind of a dick. Not even even kind of a dick, just really a dick. He's just a dick. An anti-Semitic asshole. He's just a floppy dick. I'll call him an anti-Semitic asshole. I'll do it. He's dead. What is he going to... He's going to come back from the dead and haunt you. I believe God is managing affairs and that he does not need any advice from me. With God in charge, I believe everything will work out for the best in the end. So what is there to worry about? Oh, God. So uh, (laughs) this goes back... This actually goes back to... to call back to our first episode when we talked about Columbus and him using sort of... Uh, him using God to justify what he was up to, you know? So it's that same sort of scenario. Um, and I myself, uh, full disclosure, I'm a Christian, but I also don't think that you should use God to justify whatever you're doing. I'm pretty sure that Jesus would not be happy with you using him as a scapegoat like Chris, or, uh, like Christopher Columbus. They'd be like, yeah, I killed the natives, but Jesus! <laughs> Capital punishment! No oh, God! <laughs> Wait, it gets better. Oh, no. Capital punishment is as fundamentally wrong as a cure for crime as charity is wrong as a cure for poverty. What the fuck? What does that even mean? So, essentially what he's saying is, um, charity, you should not give the poor charity because it's not a cure, just like capital punishment isn't a cure for for crime. Fucking way to go, Scrooge McDuck. I see what's going on here. So, I mean, that one... Yeah, there's really no good side to look at that one. That Not one. really, no. That's so, just a bad quote all around. Uh, we don't want tradition. We want to live in the present, and the only history that is worth a tinker's damn is the history we make today. Oh, fuck that. Fuck that noise. So nothing matters that happened in the past. The only that matters. YOLO! <laughs> I mean, in, in, certain, in certain ways... That's not an awful way to think about things. I mean, that's true. Um, you don't have to let the past define you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, like... If you, like, completely ignore all the things that are happening in the past and think that they have no value, I also feel like that's the wrong way to look at things as well. Yeah. So. Well, it's kind of the same concept that we're dealing with now along the lines of, like, how we see famous people. So as we, as we become a, a – I say this – Hopefully, as we become a progressive society, we do still understand that we need to not view certain people through rose-tinted glasses or completely throw away all of the past people and say, well, they were all awful racists. You know, they are racists. You need to understand that. But the concept is to completely destroy it and what those people did work for, you do lose some positives. That is a bit of a touchy statement. I know I could probably catch some flack in the comments for that. But, you know... One of the I'm the unpopular opinions guy, pretty much. So the last one, um, I think this is a 
good way to close up the episode. There is no, there is, there is joy in work. There is no happiness except in the realization that we have accomplished something. <laughs> what a fucked up. No- <laughs> what the fuck. So you that's can, like you can find joy in doing your job, but that's the only joy you're gonna find in life. So <laughs> what the fuck does that? Strap, that's literally no strap on in and screwing that bolt to that car. Not. <laughs> Work faster, you'll be happier. It sounds like a North Korean, like, propaganda poster. If we work fast, we will be happy. We will be happy. The sun gods will smile on us. God damn it. It's like my old boss from, uh, from fucking Kroger. And, yeah, Kroger, I'm gonna call you out on this, because if you sue me, well, you got nothing better to do. Alright, everybody, well, thank you for, uh, catching this episode. We're gonna be coming back at you next week with an episode. Jake, I'm gonna call this one, uh, you're not even ready for it. You know what we're doing next week? Yep. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. TJ. 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 We're idiots. Uh, I hope you uh, stick around and catch us again. Uh, please uh, tell us, tell your friends about us. Uh, we uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody that listened, and uh, we'll catch you next yeah. week. Make sure you Paul Revere that. Two if by land and one if by sea. Bye.